This is Dolphin Financial Radio, a show about planning your retirement. When you are young, financial decisions are easy. You aren't worried too much about the future, and you know you have plenty of time on your side. However, as you get older, the financial decisions get more difficult. Eventually, you reach the age where you face decisions about employment, home buying, raising a family, and college planning. Your financial success is often determined by how you handle the many curveballs thrown your way and by how much you are saving for retirement. Before you know it, you are within 10 years, five years, and then one year of retiring. At this point, you'll be facing new and different financial challenges. You'll worry if you have enough money to last through retirement. You'll be concerned about healthcare and longevity. You'll want to make sure your retirement is everything you always dreamed it would be. These are the retirement challenges that we will address each week on this show. Regardless of how far you are from retirement, it's time to listen in as we begin another episode of Dolphin Financial Radio. Hello and welcome to another Dolphin Financial Radio with me, Dan Wendell of the Dolphin Financial Group. And alongside me is Tony Shore. We are back from Las Vegas and we are here. And today's show, we're going to be talking about leaving Las Vegas and going to passive indexed investing investing so what does that mean and why do we want to talk about passive investing today there's a few reasons and uh but before we get into it we have some business to clear up tony uh-oh, uh-oh. when we left last show which was in vegas seems like months ago already you know it does <laughs> the question i had for the listeners to guess at was if you would lose more money playing craps or lose more money playing blackjack, and the time is now. We want the honest truth. Which one did you lose more at? Well, I'd like to. I'd like to say I went out there and was a big time gambler and did well at one or bad at the other. But uh, the honest truth is, I didn't gamble once while I was there. I mean, number one, I was working while I was there. We were out there for business. Number two, I just you know the last couple times I had been out to Vegas for business or whatever, uh, I always lose money. Uh, basically the the reason is I suck. So I did, I didn't <laughs> know your limits, Tony. You yeah, know, I know your limits. Uh, when it comes to gambling, I'm not good. Uh, let's put it that way. That's maybe a better way to put it. I'm not great at gambling. I know I'm going to eventually lose. So I didn't, even though I was tempted to play a couple hands of blackjack because I think it's fun. Uh, I'm not a big gambler. I'd said that before. Uh, but how about you, uh, Mr. F- fiscal responsibility, Live within your means. I, I know you tried a few things. Uh, I was equally bad at blackjack and craps. Oh, <laughs> but I kept my losses down below my maximum, which okay. was a hundred dollars. Oh, good. So I lost less than a hundred, which, good. by the way, is um, amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you know it's expensive out there. It is. But so both expensive. of us know our limits. We're both uh, yeah. pretty conservative people. Yeah. So yeah, I'm surprised. Know. So the winner, we don't have a winner because the question was, <laughs> which did you lose more at? I guess the winner would be anyone that said they, you lost the same amount, which I don't think we had. No. Yes. No. Tony <laughs> saves me a golf umbrella. Yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> oh yeah. The dolphin financial golf umbrellas. I got to get one of those. Those are, those are very uh, cool. You, I can't, uh, let's move on, Tony. Let's move Okay. <laughs> Those are for clients. It's for top right. tier clients only. Right, right. right. Those yeah. are for paying customers only. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, um, 
what I want to do today is kind of bring back the retirement planning aspect of this and investing aspect of this. And I want to talk about uh, this idea of passive investing. Um, and I want to get into some recent, uh, I'd say bad news we had. Um, but before I do, I want to talk, uh, ask you a question. Um, do you, do you have any idea which, um, particular asset class or investment class did the best last year, 2018? Uh, I, I thought I heard it was, um, I know it wasn't, it wasn't gold. I don't think it was, was it, um, was it energy? No, it wouldn't have been energy. I don't know. Uh, and I know it was, some people thought it would be international funds. I don't know. Honestly, what was it? I'm going to say cash. Yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> you right. Know, <clears throat> yeah. Everything, I, everything uh, was bad last year. Right. And, and, I mean, it was a choppy year. It started off terribly and then, or started off nice. And then in February, end of January, it tanked. And then again, it kind of trickled back up. And then the markets I'm talking. And then in, in uh, October, it, it went down. And then December was a really nasty. Yeah. Um, really nasty one. But what's interesting is that, you know, if you look at, and I use a lot of different charts. Um, if you look at um, performance charts and some of these break out the different asset classes or different areas you can invest in. There might be a small cap, a mid cap, large cap. You have international, REITs, cash, bonds, emerging markets, treasuries, commodities. So you can look at these on a chart and anyone, I mean, it's not going to work on radio or this podcast, but if you, if you want and you come into my office, I have these charts and they're color coded boxes and they basically show which asset did best each year. And if you're looking at it, it looks like a rainbow because the scattered they're scattered all over the place. In other words, if you look at the top performer, it's rarely the same thing two years in a row. Yep. You know, so, um, you know, 2017 was the year for emerging markets. What do we mean by that? That's, you know, that's the n not US, not Europe. It's these smaller countries or ones that are emerging coming up and about um, those India and stuff like that, Brazil. So these kind of um, markets were the place to invest. And in, in 2017, you know, those, those particular um, emerging markets did upwards of 37% in 2017. Last year, they were the worst performer and they were down 15%. So <laughs> yeah. And a lot of experts had that wrong. They thought emerging markets would be the way, to go or at least to hedge your bets to have a bunch in emerging markets in 2018 as well. And it didn't work out that way. Right. And, and if you think about, you asked about gold, you know, the commodities index from 2012 to 2015. So those four years, it was last, it was dead last. You would have been better off in cash. Wow. So, and, and so, but, but you think about it, people in 20 and what, since 2010, really, People have been saying, oh, we're going to have another correction, right? So they've been putting all their money in cash. And how has that worked out for them? Well, 2016, the worst place to be, cash. 2017, the worst place to be, cash. 2018, best place to be, cash, you know? <laughs> so they finally got, you know, so it's like us at, at the uh, the roulette table. You know, the you craps. keep betting on number 11, number shoot. 11, right? We finally, you're going to hit it right. You're yeah. going to get it once. You're going to get it right once, right? If you have enough money left to get there. <laughs> yeah, that's the key right there. So, 
you know, if you're looking at these, you know, which sector, which which particular investment class would have been best to invest in, it's all over the map, right? And no one knows the answer. And so finally, those that were in cash are finally saying, ha ha, I told you so, because, <laughs> you know, right? That's what they do. But, um, do, you know, can you pick each year the winner? I mean, should you should you just pick one and stick with it? You know, or do you want to try and pick each year? Um, or do you just Either. spread the wealth and buy like a little bit of everything and take the average? Right. I mean, what do you do? You trust uh, uh, you trust somebody who uh, manages these things for a living. Like I know, uh, you know, there are investment companies out there and portfolio managers and people like yourself who keep an eye on these things for your clients. And uh, there are trends and indicators that you, you do use, but nobody has that crystal ball. So I, I think it's uh, not only do you diversify within your investment portfolio that's tied to the mar these markets and these risky ventures, but you also balance it with money that's outside of that in in more um, safe or uh, guaranteed return type situations. That's right. You, you, I, you know, I'll, I'll tell you how I do it for some clients and then I'll tell you how it's just also wrong. <laughs> Um, and we'll talk about passive investing. Um, you know, I have a, a money manager that actually has a formula that they try and pick the, which of these sectors to invest in at all times based on momentum. So they follow the momentum or yeah. where the money's going. Interesting. And, um, and if you look at what they pick, so they're not, they're not creating their own fund. They're, what they're doing is they're jumping into one of these, depending on, uh, which one has the right. momentum. Right. And if you look historically at where they fall, Theirs isn't always, in fact, I don't even know if it was the top pick ever, but they're not the bottom pick. They're usually, on average, third. And so you say to yourself, well, why would I want to be third on average? Well, because if you try and be first, look what happened with cash. They were, they were first this, this past year, 2018, but they were dead last the two years prior. So... You know, do you want to have those ups and downs, those dramatic swings? Is it better to try and get a consistent third? I was, uh, I forget, I was, I think I was watching a TED talk and someone asked the audience, which would you rather do if you were in the Olympics? And I'll ask you, Tony, if you were in the Olympics, whatever event, we don't care what it is, would you rather finish second? Would you rather finish third? Or would you rather finish second to last? representing your country in the Olympics, which one would you prefer? Well, I would say second, right? And that's what most people say. But the the studies, apparently, according to this TED Talk, I got to look it up and, and if you could find it. Um, if I find it, I'll post it. But um, the, the science behind it says you'd be better off finishing third. Because, and here's why, no one, no one wants to finish second or last, you know, so some people pick that. But most people pick second because they're like, well, if I can't finish first, at least I finish second, right? But what happens is, and they showed some pictures of uh, the podium, the, the second place is usually got a frown. <laughs> the first place is, is celebrating and the third place is happy. Yeah. Um, because what happens is the second True. place is always saying, oh, I could have been first. If yeah. I would have done, if I could have, should have, you so know, close. right? But the third place person is saying, I could have been fourth and not even on the podium. Yeah. So, you know, it's how your expectations um, that can... Uh, can adjust your happiness, right? Because right. it was all about happiness. So um, I'd rather be rather be fourth than last, right? Or third right. than last. 
you know. Right. But if you're in second, you're saying, well, what could I have done to be first? Right. Blah, blah, blah. I'm always second fiddle, blah, blah, blah. Makes sense. So when you when it comes to investing, if you can get a consistent third on this chart of, you know, 12 different sectors to invest in and you get number three each time, you're going to do okay. Right. So I use a, a money manager for that to help me with certain clients that want that active investment. Right. Um, this is where it works for some, those that want to be active, those that want to, you know, take, take some, uh, take some charge of how they're investing in and try and do well. Now, enter Jack Bogle. Do you know who he is? Uh, the Vanguard guy. The guy That's right. The, the main man behind Vanguard, one of the most prestigious and successful investment companies there are, right? That's right. He's known as the father of the index fund. Now, he just died, unfortunately. He had passed away, uh, I think it was um, the 16th of January, or maybe this, I can't remember the exact date, but um, he was 89 years old. And he is known as the father of the index fund and Vanguard in general. He started that. And at the time when he started it, he got laughed at because his his famous, well, he's said a lot of things about investing over the years. The My favorite uh, quote, which I think is attributed to him, and this is what everyone says he says, is he said, don't look for a needle in a haystack. Just buy the whole haystack. <laughs> And it's interesting. So we were just talking. How do you pick? Which one do you go? Do you go emerging markets? Do you go the S&P 500? Do you go Dow Jones? Do you go NASDAQ? Do you go European? What, where do you go? He's saying, don't try and find the needle in the haystack. Just buy the whole haystack. And that was his philosophy. And he created Vanguard with that whole point. His idea was you just buy an entire index. And he created an index. This is before indexes existed. So he'd say, let's just buy the whole market. And now... The total market Vanguard total market index is the one of the, if not the biggest in the in the world, for people to actually buy. So what you're doing is you're buying one ticker symbol and you're owning all the companies associated with it. it could be hundreds of thousands of companies. So you're not trying to pick the needle in a haystack. You're just buying the whole haystack, which is great, right? And um, and this is what passive investing is all about. And he was mocked. He was attacked by the investment management industry. Why would you think that? Tony, why do you think he was attacked or mocked by the investment management industry when he created this? Uh, because the, that's not the way they had done it up to that point. Everybody had a, a whole different way of it was a it was a new way of looking at it. So people thought it couldn't work. True, that's I mean, it. And plus, right? he was basically also saying that their their advice and value was not value. It was worthless. <laughs> it was actually costing them. And he went on and on since you know. Since he started this in the 70s, he went on and on and still did up until when he passed saying, you know, why are you paying someone? Why are you paying a money manager when you could just buy the market? You know, why are you paying someone to find that needle when you could just buy the whole haystack? And so he's an icon of passive investing, low cost index funds. And he basically slashed the fees of fund managers across the board. Because his idea of buying this haystack, you buy it as cheaply as possible. So Vanguard was known for their cheap, meaning least expensive index funds. And when he started, he was the first to do it, and and everyone mocked him, right? Because they said, oh, well, we are so smart. 
I think Warren Buffett bet someone. I don't know when it was. It was recently. I think he bets some uh, fund manager. Uh, I forget how much. Maybe it was a million dollars. I don't even know what it, it doesn't matter. He bet them that the S&P 500, the index, would outperform five of their picks, five of their portfolios of their choice. And he was right. Warren Buffett was right. The the portfolio manager with all their active bells and whistles and pulls and levers didn't do as well as the S&P 500. So um, he was the enemy of the active fund manager. Wow. <clears throat> And what happened was people started catching on to this and they said, wow, passive investing. That's, you know, let's, let's, let's try that. And, um, he had these followers, you know what their followers were called? People that really were into this guy. No. Um, what are the guys that are really into Jimmy Buffett? Parrot heads. Parrot heads. So they called them the Jack Bogle, Bogle heads. Bogle heads. I'd never heard yeah. that. That's funny. Yeah. Huge. Thousands. Tens of thousands of them in the country, the proud Bogleheads, and they're and they just promote his, you know, his philosophy. Well, he which was is basically smart. buy and hold, yeah, buy and hold, cheap yeah. indexing, which is now so, uh, the overriding philosophy, and it's been proven to be advantageous over time, right? Right. It's I think a recent study. I forget where uh, the exact number, but it's close to half, if not half, of all U.S. investing is passive passive investing where wow. it used to be a hundred percent was active. Now only half is active. Now is that mean that it's the be all end all, you know, is this the way to go? I want to talk about that. Um, but one of the big problems, you know, one of the big things that, um, Bogle was, he, he was against was that, Hey, you know, if you're going to invest, you want to, just get the market as cheap as possible because if if the market goes up five percent and you're paying the fund manager two percent you your fund manager's got to get seven just just to beat where you would have been if you just bought the market you know so right you, you the fees were a big a big issue for him and that's so you'll hear vanguard you know father of index funding you know um passive investing but low fees as well low fees and so he never became rich um well, he did, but I have I have a pretty interesting um, quote I want to share with you about it. But um, one of the problems that he identified recently, because this became such a phenomenon, why wouldn't everyone do it? You know, why doesn't everyone just start doing it? And and his so someone asked him that they said, what if everyone switched to passive investing, like the whole U.S. instead of fifty percent, it's a hundred percent. And Bogle said. This is his words. It would be chaos and catastrophe, but the chances of it happening are zero. So we don't have to worry about it <laughs> because if, if you think about it, if everyone's just, everyone's doing it, if everyone's invested in the same exact thing, then it, it could really just think about that. That would be weird, right? Like there would be no, it, it, if, if one bad thing happened, it would hurt everyone. It would just spiral out of control, total chaos. So, um, his other problem that people have talked about with this is that there's only um, there's three big index fund managers, Vanguard being one, BlackRock and State Street Global. Those are the big three. They control 81% of index fund assets. Wow. 81. So if you think about that, that means three fund managers 
controlling 81% of the market, they can really, if they want to do something, they could, right? And so Bogle was upset with that, and that was his latest concern. He wasn't concerned that passive inventing, investing was bad. He was concerned that it was getting a little too big, um, that it might start causing a little bit of issues. Yeah. Now, sounds like passive investing was great. We're sorry to see Jack Bogle go. Yeah. He, he helped a ton of people. But I want to relate it to retirements, retirees and retirement, because a lot of the studies show that passive investing is great, especially for people who are young and just throwing money into their 401k. The idea being you buy it and you hold it. You don't make any silly moves to try and beat the market. You ride the wave and you have time on your side. And why not go cheap and just broad and ride the wave up? Because over time, that works. That's the philosophy. But does it apply to retirees? Does passive investing still work for people who are in their 70s or 60s and are Depends looking- Depends on how long they're going to live, I would assume. Isn't, isn't, that the, isn't that the crux of whether it's going to work or not? Absolutely. That's a huge factor in all this. You know, and, and um, I, I, uh, I read an interview um, in November 2018, and um, they asked Jack Bogle, what's in your personal investment portfolio? Which I thought was a pretty interesting question. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was in, that was, so that was in November, so he was 89, right? So right. what's in your, what's in your wallet, right? What's in your investment portfolio? And he said, 50% bonds and 50% stocks. Which, and then of course, Vanguard funds. <laughs> of but, course. Um, the interesting part was what he said next. He said, half the time, I wonder why I have so much in stocks. And the other half, I wonder why I have so little in stocks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. You know, yeah. because there's a, as you age, you're supposed to, you know, get away from stocks. That's the theory, right? But, um, I found it fascinating that he, he he talked right there about the emotional side of investing too. He's one, you know, you're always guessing, you're always second guessing. And that's the, that's the problem with passive investing is if you, if you do it and, and you do it right, which is you buy and you hold and you, and you don't think about it, then it works. But if you buy and then you're questioning, well, what is this guy doing? How come that, oh, look at Google's up, you know, 10% today. Should I, do I own that? Should I own that? Maybe I should. Let me buy that. <laughs> right. This is what happens. So, but so for the average Joe investor who's young and has time on his side, why not just do the passive investing? And I think that's what you're seeing a lot of the industry moving toward is particularly with these robo advisors, robo advisors um, are trying to get there. Um, but let's talk about retirees because that's where most of my clients right. are and that's my specialty. Yep. So retirees face a few issues that the typical 40 year old doesn't face. And that is they're no longer working and they need their investment income to no longer just sit and grow and be passive. They need to be actively spending it. They need to take money out. Even if they don't want to, they're going to have to when they hit 70 and a half because they got to take their required minimum distributions right. from their IRAs and 401ks. So they can't hold it forever. They need the money to live. And on top of all that, they typically are less tolerant with risk. So they, they don't yeah, want to ride get, the as wave As we get anymore. older, we get a lot 
more conservative as far as taking risks with our money, right? Can you imagine what you're going to be like in 20 years? <laughs> <laughs> Says the guy that didn't bet a dime in Vegas. Yeah. I, I may be the only person who's ever went to Vegas without gambling. I, you, yeah. <laughs> At least the only one I know. Well, I mean, I, I was only there two and a half days and I was working most of the time. So that's uh, that's a little different than most people going to Vegas. So are you saying that us doing radio shows work for you? you find... <laughs> it isn't. But uh... <laughs> <laughs> it's work for me. I'm doing all the heavy lifting. here. Right? You're just sitting there. Look at that. Is that an umbrella I'm in just, your drink? Is yeah. That... <laughs> I'm just nodding along, sipping my umbrella drink. Going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, you know, it's funny we talk about Vanguard because, uh, you know, as part of my 401k, I have various options, right? Right. And uh, I notice the ones that do well, you know, there's TD Ameritrade, there's uh, the G50, uh, there's, and then there's Vanguard funds. And it seems like I always lean toward the Vanguard because they, they're the ones that are most con consistent. Right. So that's the thing. Um, when you're, and a lot of people look at their 401k statements and they come to me and say, Hey, what should I do? Right. And, and, and they're not retired. They're not close to retirement, right. but I still help people. You know, I'm not going to, Oh, I'm a retiree, uh, focused. I don't, don't talk to me. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll still talk to them, but you're right. They look at it and they say, well, which ones performed the best last year? And they look at their statement and say, Oh, look at this one last year. This one did 13%. Whereas the one I'm in only did six. I'm going to go to the 13%. And then they chase it, yeah. right? Yeah, can't do that. So, right, so passive investing is more about just picking one and going with it. Right. right? But you got to know which one to pick. So you're looking at it, and you got to look at the fees. And typically, the Vanguard ones have low fees. Um, I want to, this is this is a good time for me to talk about what the the quote that I like. I'm going to try and bring it up on my, on my uh, computer here to see if I can get it. Um, because... Uh, I, I do want to talk about um, the what how it relates to retirees, but um, the fees are low in these Vanguard funds, which was his big thing. And so on an interview, that same interview in November, they asked him, um, this is from Think Advisor. That's where I got this interview from. Any regrets? So they asked Jack Bogle, do you have any regrets? This was just a few months ago. Um, he said, no regrets. I'm not a trillionaire like Abby Johnson, who is the Fidelity chairwoman, who is supposed to be worth $15.4 Wow. He said, I wouldn't even know what to do with a number like that. We have a nice, small house. We have shelter when it rains, snows, or is windy. The kids and grandkids are well. I have the Armstrong Foundation, which has now reached a decent size, and I feel like it could do some good for others. One of the things about... Jack Bogle, which I admire, is that he had every opportunity to become a multi-billionaire, and he didn't do it. His philosophy was, hey, you don't have to pay these huge fees on the mutual funds to get the performance. Just buy the haystack, and I'm going to help you buy the haystack for as cheap as possible, and that's what he was known for. So he basically had a wealth transfer. He did more, I think, in my opinion for the average American than in, in financial industry than anyone else that I know of in the financial industry in, in, in the history of it. You're not the only one saying that either. I mean, so there, there's a lot of credence to that. But 
Uh, yeah, I mean, so I like that. I do like the fact, you know, obviously that's where my mindset is more at, a little more passive and, and conservative. But uh, again, uh, he has admitted that, hey, you know, he could be more aggressive or, you know, he's not like uh, his own his own president of his company or CEO. And then, you know, Warren Buffett, there are other people out there that made more money personally. Right. Right. And that's, and so that goes to his character and, and he, and this is also why um, there was a little bit of a battle between him and wall street because a lot of them hated him because he was basically flipping their revenue model on its head saying, why are you paying all this money for the active people when you can do better passive and save a ton of money? And put it in your pocket. And part of the savings was that, or part of the reason why passive investing did better is because all the transaction fees and changes and all that were gone because you're just sitting. And so you don't have those fees dragging down the portfolio performance. So there is some credence to it. But, um, you know, in my, in my practice, I use passive investing for some of my clients and I use active for others. And, and in particular, if um, a client says to me, listen, Dan, you know, I've invested all my life. I'm retired. I need extra income. I need some I need some income generated from this portfolio. And I can't just take the two percent that CDs are thrown off. I need I need five, six, seven percent income. Where do I do? Where do I go? You're going to have to be a little bit more creative and active on that. So in those cases, I'm going to bring in portfolio managers that are focused on generating the income streams you need. And because it's not just, hey, buy and sell, you have to be a little diverse. You have to be active. You got to pay a money manager for that. So in those cases, I'll use that. Someone says, hey, Dan, I want to beat the market. I got to, you know, I can't just sit on the market. I want to actually grow. That's when you have to bring in the active money manager who, you know, could try to beat it. So I'll use um, passive uh, management for several of my clients, and then I'll use active for others. So there's no right answer for retirees because, um, You know, you could say for non-retirees, for those growing their assets, just buy and hold passive is the way to go. And I'm not going to argue against that. But for retirees, it's a different story because a lot of times um, they need they have different types of needs. And that's kind of where the focus is. And that's where my value comes in. I'm not an active money manager or a passive money manager. I'm a financial planner, retirement planner, and I'm dealing with a lot of the soft issues. You know, we had that fiduciary rule and Jack Bogle weighed in on it. And um, this is the one that said that anyone managing your money should act in your best interest. And his point was that just makes sense. I mean, how can you who who is against the advisor acting in the best interest? He's just being pragmatic about it. Right. But his, his particular focus was on fee disclosure. He said, you know, paying a money, paying your advisor one percent is clear. They tell you, I'm going to charge you one percent to manage your funds and I'm going to help you and so forth. And I tell people that all the time. My fee starts at 1% and goes down as you get more assets, but I'm charging you 1%, but what is that for? And and his and Bogle's claim was, you know, that's great and and you're fine because you, you know you're paying that, but there's so many hidden fees and costs because there's also these underlying investments that you're buying that have the fees associated with it and no one talks about those. And he's like that's what he was attacking is these mutual fund fees that are extremely high, um, you, those need to be disclosed as well. And he, he always attacked the stockbrokers and the people that are charging commissions because he's saying, what's how do they make money? By buying and selling. So is that in your best interest? Not necessarily. No. So he wanted that. That was his big thing. And so um, I find it interesting that um, he came caught on so 
quickly in an industry that was that had every reason not to follow him, right? And every reason not to to go past him. Yeah. It has now become, and it's going to soon become a tipping point where more people will be passive than active. Yeah. Well, he was a in a in an industry that's full of, you know, what seems like uh, greedy people making bad decisions. Wall Street has had its problems. It's sad to lose what seems like one of the good ones, Jack Bogle, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and people will often look at me and say, well, oh, you, you know, he's attacking you. You're the one charging the fee. How can you support this guy, you know? And but that's where it's important to realize that that's not what I do. I'm not I'm not sitting there picking stocks and, and buying and selling and doing that's not my value as a retirement planner. Uh, I talk about this all the time, Tony. I'm holistic. I talk about. Uh, health insurance, Medicare. I talk about which funds to pick for sure. We hire f- money managers for sure. And I'm, and I'm, that's yes. And I charge fees for that. But there's also things like when to take social security, what to do about long-term care. How do, should I buy or sell this house? Um, you know, what do I do about the different, um, things that come my way as I'm in retirement that I didn't have to deal with when and, I wasn't retired? How do you, how do I create retirement income? You right. Know, how do I, how do I, how do I sure, create the income? How, how, how do I make sure I can pay my bills for my entire life, no matter how long I live? And that's the puzzle you help people figure out. Well, hey, we're out of time for today's show. It just flew by. Uh, I know this is a good topic. Is there anything else you want to add before we go, Dan? Tony, yes. If we ever go back to Vegas, you're going to have to <laughs> learn to gamble a little. Sure. You've got to come out of your show. Oh, yeah. and you got to open up. Or you could just go the route of Jack Jack Bogle and do really well by just sitting back and relaxing. <laughs> That's what I did. Um, anyone listening, you want more info on passive versus active, which one's better? If you want to see these charts, which are so enlightening, um, amazing. You could find them, but I have them in my office. I'd love to share them with you. It's so in- interesting to see which sectors did better each year and how difficult it is to pick the winner every year. What do we do about it? Well, we, we kind of be strategic and focus on the things that we can control. So thanks for listening, Tony. I uh, appreciate you sitting there looking pretty today. Help me through <laughs> this. Um, rest in peace, Jack Bogle. Sorry to see you go, but you did a huge service to the country, to the world, really. And we thank you for that. And and uh, stay tuned next week. We're going to have another great show. Thanks for listening. And, oh, by the way, anyone listening, don't forget, we're now on Spotify. So make sure you tell your friends to listen in to Financial Dolphin Financial Radio. Thanks again, Tony. All right. Yeah. And don't forget to go to uh, Dolphin Financial, right? It's dolphinfinancial.com. Is that it? Dolphinfinancialgroup.com. Oh, dolphinfinancialgroup.com and check out the shows, past shows. Yep. Thanks, Dan. And listeners, that does it for today's episode of Dolphin Financial Radio with our host, Dan Wynn. Thank you for listening to Dolphin Financial Radio. Don't try to retire without a solid income plan. For more information, please contact Dan Wendell at Dolphin Financial Group. Call 888-508-5935 or visit the website at dolphinfinancialgroup.com. Dan Wendell or Dolphin Financial Group are not affiliated or endorsed by Social Security or any government agency. Everything discussed on today's show was for information informational purpose only. Since everyone's situation is different, some things may not apply to you. The materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources. We cannot be 100% certain that they are accurate. You should really talk to my dad or someone from Dolphin Financial Group before trying to implement these ideas or strategies.